Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasnow. Many of you may receive my weekly Sunday Commusing article where I address a breadth of issues from the spiritual to the socio-political. And on occasion, I will also record an audio version of these articles and release it here as a bonus episode. This week's missive explores the matchmaking prowess of our microbiota. If you're interested in receiving my weekly screed, sign up at onecommune.com and follow my regular exhortations on Instagram at Jeff Krasno. Without further delay, here's this week's commusing titled The Hostess with the Mostest. Doing laundry is a simple way to right the wrongs of the world. I cloister myself in the dark box of the wash closet to purge my sullied gym shorts like one might cleanse their soul in the confessional booth. There's a renewal and orderliness to the whole affair of scrubbing and folding. But I can't quite sublimate my more corporeal instincts. Before front-loading Skylar's crop top, I furtively sneak a wee sniff of the arm sigh. Come on, don't pretend you haven't done it. As I inhale the distinctive musk, a warm sensation floods my body. The olfactory has a prodigious memory. The shirt bears the same aroma that ensnared me 33 orbits ago, minus the hint of patchouli. Skylar no longer makes any effort to apply even the most hippie of deodorants. Still, her signature bouquet maintains its timeless allure. I will cease disclosing further bizarre intimacies for, as it turns out, I'm not even whiffing Skylar at all. The actual source of her natural perfume is patently less romantic. It might be better dubbed Lactobacillus number no. 5, for this irresistible essence is produced by bacteria in Skylar's armpit who devour her sweat like kids munching Doritos at a birthday bash. Human perspiration has no aroma at all. Armpits are like sauerkraut crocs and emit what lab-coated folk call volatile organic compounds, and what you and I call B.O. I am not attracted to Skylar. I just revel in her microbial mix. And it's unclear if it's really even me that's being titillated. I perceive this aroma as alluring because my own microbes recognize how different Skylar's are. The feel-good hormone oxytocin, which is regulated by lactobacillus ruteri in the gut, is released in response to my lurid sniffing. Perhaps I am just a perverse extra in this evolutionary play. I chivalrously court the affections of my beloved because my microbes are seeking the vast variety of immune system genes which will result in the fittest offspring. Perhaps she's not my predestined soulmate, but due to eating a copious amount of dirt and kimchi, Skylar is my best genetic match. Of course, this is a two-way street. Skylar's microbiota must also choose me. Fortunately, I religiously eat probiotic coconut yogurt, which is rich in lactobacillus ruteri. 
Apparently, this multifaceted microbe honors its host by conferring lustrous hair, shiny skin, and in men, high testosterone and large testicles. And I thought she loved me for my quick wit. But no, I am simply flush with this particular strain of Firmicutes bacteria. From a microbe's eye view of the universe, by making their host sexy and upregulating the neurotransmitters that might spark an illicit tryst, they safeguard their own existence, the creation of another hostess with the mostest bugs in her gut. I suppose I'm willing to be manipulated by a prokaryote if it means regularly making whoopee with my wife. Sorry, honey, the microbes made me do it. Consider the patently Puritan possibility of just having one gender, which through mitosis self-replicates. How simple it would be. There would be no patriarchal systems, no domestic abuse, no need for equal rights, no pink pussy hats, no debates over contraception. But there would also be no variety. And genetic diversity, assured through wild romps in the hay, is essential to the evolutionary process of adapting to, and in some cases, fighting off pathogenic microbes. In a twisted turn of fate, if it were not for viruses like SARS-CoV-2, we may never fall in love in the first place. It begs the question, despite our anthropocentrism, are humans just pawns in a grandiose evolutionary chess game? Is there no autonomy to being human? Now, there's a lot of chatter recently about body sovereignty. Of course, a self must exist in order to have dominion over it. Old Siddhartha, arguably the world's first psychologist, suggested that when consciousness is turned in onto itself, it finds no self at all. The life sciences have similarly had little success locating a locus of consciousness. This absence of self violates our instincts as a product of direct experience. I mean, here I am. I am me. I just uttered these words. Indeed, my lips did move as a result of electromagnetic signals sent from my brain, but did I choose them? We confuse the contents of consciousness with consciousness itself. My sense of a stable, reliable me is anchored by a feeling of psychological and physical continuity. But this is also an illusion, as cells are birthed and die every nanosecond. And what is this unseemly long hair protruding from my ear that wasn't present yesterday? Now, as we unpack the nature of impermanence, the non-self is unveiled. On one level, being human is simply the space in which phenomena, objects, thoughts, feelings, sensations, arise and subside moment to moment. And as part of that phenomenon, there is no separation between you and the experience. There is only, in the end, integrated experience now. And again, now. But if you remain unconvinced that the self is illusory, peer not into the nature of the mind. Instead, scrutinize the gut 
There is increasing evidence that the 40 trillion bacteria, fungi, and archaea snuggled in your intestines play a significant role, not only just in the previously described mating ritual, but also in governing virtually every system of your body, including your immune system, digestion, pulmonary activity, cardiovascular function, angiogenesis, stem cell activation, and on. There's a case to be made that these little buggers are actually the sovereign ones. As the world became flush with oxygen, these anaerobic critters took refuge in the oxygen-deprived recesses of our ancestral colons. In exchange for this tendency, when well-fed with fiber-rich vittles, they lift our spirits through the creation of serotonin, a neurotransmitter that enhances mood. But if we continue to threaten their existence with an elixir of Twinkies, glyphosate, Advil, Prilosec, and whiskey shots, then in turn, they will go on strike and our systems will run amok. Holes will develop in the epithelial walls of our gut and lipopolysaccharides, the remnants of dead bacterial cell walls, will infiltrate our bloodstream, triggering low-grade chronic inflammation that results in diseases including cancer, diabetes, atherosclerosis, and Alzheimer's, among many others. Oddly, the study of the microbiota may inspire a moment of satori. The microscope widens the aperture of the macroscope. We do not exist as separate individuals in a separate external universe, separate from nature and each other. We live within a holobiome of interconnected and mutually reliant organisms, genomics, and light energy. And if you happen to momentarily forget that you are interdependent with all of nature, that in fact you are nature, then simply bury your nose in your lover's sweaty gym shorts and you will be lovingly reminded. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Commune Podcast. Feel free to drop me a line any old time at jeffk at onecommune.com. And if so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all from the Commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you. <laughs>